This is Got Marketing, a podcast with ideas, strategies, and tactics to help small businesses create smarter marketing. I'm Mia Feilman, a professional marketer and the founder of Campaign Del Mar. And in this show, I chat with creatives and strategists about the different aspects of marketing, but without the fluff. Let's dive in. Hello, friends, and welcome back to the Got Marketing podcast. Today on the show, I have Ash Gerberg. He's a writer and content creator based in Melbourne. But prior to this, he worked in marketing for 20 years and has also owned several successful businesses. As an avid traveler, Ash has been to over 105 countries and is welcome back in some of them. Thank you so much for joining me, Ash. Thanks, Mia. Glad to be part of this uh, great podcast. Thank you. Now, um, it's actually a pretty interesting story. You and I have got scarily a lot in common. So we both went to the same university. Uh, we're both been in, we've both been in marketing for 20 years. We both write on Medium, which is how we came to meet. We're both online course creators and we both love talking about marketing campaigns. That is, that is very scary. It's uh, like me getting my doppelganger. You've got <laughs> yeah. far less grey hair than me, though, so you've done you've done a lot better. Well, I am actually really proud to say that I just turned forty, and I don't have any grey hair. So, yay! That's, that's great. <laughs> um, so I reached out to you because I thought this was going to make for such a great conversation because one of the things that you love run, writing about is, um, you know, the best marketing campaigns from last year or the best marketing campaigns from COVID. And I like to do exactly the same thing. So in today's episode, we're going to have a little bit of fun and we're going to play a game of compare the pair. Awesome. I love games. I'm very competitive too. Oh, bring it on, friend. (laughs) Okay, so what are we going to do? So we've each thrown out a couple of ads in similar industries and uh, ones that you've liked, ones that I've liked, and we'll compare the two and see what resonated for both of us with those ads, what appealed to them. Um, Maybe a little argument. I like some heated argument on why why the ads work, why they didn't work, and take it from there and hopefully the audience can uh, get something from it. Amazing. All right. Well, should we get stuck in? Let's go. All right. So the first industry that we are going to compare is going to be um, dating apps, matchmaking. Excellent. It's like we were matched. You said we had a lot in common. So uh, we might have been matched in a previous life on a dating app. But uh, let's have a look. We're both not the target market for these ads, which makes it even more interesting to uh, look at them. Correct. Because we're both in relationships. So um But uh, marketers think they know everything and um, we love comments from the peanut gallery. So (laughs) I think we're overqualified, really. Exactly. I'll analyse any ad, even if it's a product that I'll never use, uh, if it's targeted at at babies or elderly people or anyone. So uh, dating apps, let's take a look. All right. So mine, the one that I think is absolutely brilliant is from match.com uh this is ryan reynolds dating um site and um they recently launched a campaign um really to get um 
people to start dating so that they could get married, so that the wedding industry could go back to work. So um, a few kind of steps in this campaign. And what they did was they pulled together quite famous wedding singers and performers and they wrote an original song. And I I love this um, because the copywriting was next level incredible. And um, it was very catchy. You found yourself singing it throughout the whole day. And uh, the campaign name was Let's Get Back to Love. Um, And really, you know, we need you to um, get on Match.com and start dating so that it can lead to a wedding so that we can all get paid. Um, And I believe one of the lines was, um, if you don't get laid, we don't get paid, which is just absolutely genius. And what's really, what I really liked about this, Ash, was the fact that it actually spoke to the brand promise as well, which is that Match.com, as opposed to um, Tinder, is not just for hooking up. It's not just for the one night stand. It is for the long-term relationship. It is for love. And um, by cleverly linking it to weddings, they've been able to not only entertain and engage the audience, but also send that strong message across that if you choose match.com over the alternatives, this might actually end up in a long-term relationship. Yeah, that, that was that was what I liked best about the, the ad, um, the fact that it, it spoke to that and it differentiated itself. There's plenty of other dating apps, like you said, the, which have that perception of being more hookups. Um, you know, the tinders and the grinders, that sort of thing. Um, match positions itself as more of a serious long term. Um, and I liked how it, it, it brought emotion. I'm very big on bringing emotion into any advertisements because emotion is what sells. But it was about, hey, don't just do this for yourself. Do this for all these people in the industry who have suffered for 18 months. You know, do them a favour. And I really liked it was not only help yourself, help the wedding industry, help these wedding singers. And it gave a bit of a face and personality to those forgotten people which was a really different angle, which I liked. It's not just do it for yourself, do it, you know, we're all in this together. We've all gone through for COVID together. It's a very often uh, often used line, but I think they, they capitalise on that for this ad. Exactly. That's such a good point that, um, the yeah, that's the other element of this, that Match.com um, almost put their commercial priorities aside and dedicated this entire ad to supporting the wedding industry, and in fact, in the credits of the mm. of the campaign, they actually included the, the names of the um, the wedding singers. Yeah, which I'd love. I actually did a quick Google search to see if there's any you know results of how many of these people, these wedding singers, did they get a lot of bookings? But I couldn't find anything. But it'd be very interesting to see because it was almost like ads for them. There was ten or so. It was like personal ads for these ten wedding singers, and they they would surely get a lot of bookings out of it. Oh, I think they would be booked out for years. So should we have a little listen slash watch? I think you should give your uh, listeners a warning first because um, this is very much an earworm and it will be in their head for the rest of the day. So, you know, <laughs> Okay, cons- consider yourselves warned. All right, let's do it.
The chapels are empty, no vows have been swapped. There's no chocolate fountains, and the music has stopped. It's time that you started getting over your ex. Cause you're double vax, but you're still single AF. Now we don't get paid if no love songs are played. We're totally screwed till you start getting laid. singing along did you sing along in my head yeah I didn't think that that would be good to put (laughs) on the microphone so I've watched that like 10 times I love it and every time I pick up something new and just as I was watching it this time I thought this is actually a collaboration between match.com and the wedding singers but also themselves like fellow wedding singers as an industry so like really bringing them together Together, and I thought yeah so I think the key thing to take out from this example is that um, your marketing campaign can have lots of levers and you can pull them simultaneously so you can use clever copywriting and the you know the power of music in marketing but then also um collaboration and also storytelling and sometimes more is more yeah absolutely and i i don't think that these wedding singers would necessarily get together i don't know if there's a wedding singers union or they have get together at christmas and have an annual party but it would have been unusual for them who probably work very individually 
um, to get together um, and share stories and, and learn from each other. So it would have been good with them. I really was hoping um, that Adam Sandler would pop up halfway through. <laughs> that was a missed opportunity. Would have loved to see that come in. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's great and it's in my head again. So thank you once more for that. Um, oh, you're welcome. And seriously, epic movie, The Wedding Singer. And that really speaks to the fact that is there such a thing as original ideas in marketing or is it all just an iteration of what's been done before? Yeah, there's less and less. Occasionally something will pop out and it's something which is really original. But, I mean, it, the best ideas are stolen. I mean, Steve Jobs was very big on I don't invent, I just steal other people's ideas. Um, and that's what the best marketers do. They just improve, I guess. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. So. And I think the more, and we've spoken about this before, but the more you actually look at marketing campaigns, the more you see that there's these common threads between them, that a lot of the tactics, a lot of the um, strategies even are are reused and because they work. (laughs) Absolutely. Why why invent something when you uh, can copy or borrow? You know, Google wasn't the first search engine. They just took an existing product and improved on it. Correct, yes. All right, so Match.com gets my vote. What about you? Yeah, I uh, I went for, for Tinder. Um, <laughs> actually, it's quite. I missed the whole Tinder, the days. I was in a relationship when they got launched, so I, I missed out on what they would have been like to use, but um, that doesn't mean I can't analyse their marketing. Um, I'm very big on advertising being entertainment. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what I look for. Uh, as a marketer and as as a consumer, I guess, with the rise of you know Netflix and streaming platforms, it's really hard to get your your advertising content in front of people. Um, ads get skipped, so it has to be really entertaining and engaging for me to watch. Um, and I think Tinder, with this particular campaign, did something a bit different. Um, they created what I would think is entertainment, and they made it quite fun and interactive. So um, they created an event. This was again during lockdown of last year of 2020 when people particularly single people were struggling because they couldn't go out and and meet others so it was all done online um, but they couldn't meet in person so they created an event which was almost like a choose your own adventure I don't know if you were into that as a kid I loved them when I was same a a child I had the whole series and you know you'd get to a you'd read it and it would say you get to a door will you open the door or do you run away you know you see a dog do you pat the dog or do you whatever and you can map out your whole adventure and there's different types of endings um so it's tended capital capitalize on that and created an event which they promoted heavily um a three-hour event where it was choose your own adventure tinder adventure and they filmed uh a variety of 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 scenes and then tinder users would have the opportunity to choose what they would do so there would be uh, one example was an injured dog and an injured person lying on the ground. Who do you help? Do you help the dog or do you help the person? A whole lot of, of uh, choices like that which should go out. So what I liked about it initially was it got a whole lot of people engaged and interactive. So it wasn't just using Tinder and swiping left to right but creating a story out of it. But it did have a beneficial outcome. At the end of it, it would match all the people who made the exact same choices as you throughout that three hours and say, hey, Mia, Ash made the exact same choice 25 times. You must have a fair bit of common. You might have the same ethics, the same way of thinking, and it would give you those matches. So it tied in entertainment with a beneficial outcome um, for the people using it. 
clever. So, you know, you love pets, obviously, because you went and looked after the dog and so did she. And so potentially you have that in common. Very, very clever. Yeah, and it was great. And the other thing I like about campaigns, if they can get free publicity, and this is what happened with this one. So it was on the news as, hey, this is a new interactive event. Jimmy Fallon did a whole spiel about it on Fallon Tonight. So they got so much free coverage and free PR, um, which is the, the goal of any marketer, yeah? Rather than buying advertising, get other people to talk about your product. Um, so in this clip, uh, it goes through the campaign, but also it shows you a lot of the free publicity they got. Um, oh, you are definitely speaking my language. I say this all the time to my students that the best campaigns use a clever mix of paid, owned and earned media. And absolutely. so that you want to make sure that your campaign is newsworthy enough that it can generate some of that earned media. All right, well, let's watch the or listen to Tinder Swipe Night, shall we? Tinder revolutionized dating, but over time it became passive and mindless. It was time to reimagine the power of the swipe. Get this Tinder, uh, Justin Asif. It will be making its own interactive adventure called Swipe Night. Swipe, swipe Night. Night. Swipe Night. Swipe Night. Swipe Night. Are you guys seeing this? Guys, this is real. Don't leave me. Swipe Night isn't a campaign. It's a reinvention of Tinder, where for the first time ever, interactive entertainment is used to match people. And it stars you. Finally, where have you been? It's Sunday night and you open the Tinder app. But instead of swiping on people, Can he help? He's really hurt. You're gonna swipe to make split-second decisions that reveal your true colors. Like, do you ignore him or help him? What the hell are we supposed to do with these? Steal her ride or ask for a ride? Do you save the puppy? Or the person. Every swipe moves you forward across 2,000 potential branching storylines throughout each five to eight minute episode, ultimately matching you with people who made similar choices and giving you something to talk about. Did you save the person or did you save the puppy? This says a lot about your personality. Shot only for mobile, we integrated streaming video into the app for the first time. Wow. To get everyone playing live together, it was only available on Sundays from 6 p.m. to midnight. Millions of young people tuned in each week. That's higher viewership than hit TV shows like Euphoria, SNL, Atlanta, and The Bachelorette. Oh my gosh. Your favorite show may be on Netflix, or it may actually be on Tinder. They just announced that they're going to be rolling us out internationally in 2020. Now that the Swipe Night platform exists, Tinder can continue to innovate how we use entertainment to lead to more meaningful connections in real life. Oh. Oh. Without getting too serious. God, he was annoying. I don't wanna be wow, that's really out there. It, yeah, um, it actually won, for people who are really into marketing, each year around May in Cannes. I think I said that correct. Khan in France, they do the Lyon, the Lions Award for best uh, advertisements in the whole range of categories. And that won the best digital campaign for 2020. So the uh, industry agreed with my take. But um, the other thing I like is that we mentioned earlier that Tinder has this perception of being you know, a pure hookup type thing. And it's very um, superficial because you're just swiping literally on, on a photo on someone's face of whether you think they're attractive or not. But this goes a bit deeper because they're sharing people that has perhaps have the same mindset as you. Um, so there's a bit more science behind it. Hey, person A had 12 of the same responses as person B. So you're connecting a bit better. 
and it also gives people a bit more to go on. I again, I haven't used Tinder, but you know, I've heard stories where you know it's very, hey, hey, what's up? What are you doing? Da da da. Very boring conversation, but it gives you an icebreaker to lead into, saying, hey, Mia, you saved the dog. So did I. You know, do you have a dog? Why did mm. you choose the dog over the person? So mm. it creates a bit more of a connection. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that they've really understood the Gen Z audience, which is that gamification is just everything to them. Like they are gamers, even men and women. Um, And so really bringing the gamification into the campaign, I think is really, really clever. The only issue I have with it, and this is, I guess, you know, absolutely nothing that Tinder should do about it. But more as a mum, I'm really concerned about how much time young people are spending on their phones and spending in virtual reality. And this is just taking them further down the rabbit hole. And it's like, I would love for Tinder to come out and say, hey, these are some icebreakers that you can have in real life where you talk to a real human being. And I feel like we're losing that skill. And then now that there's this interactive adventure and the gamification of it and, you know, virtual reality and AI, I just feel like young people today are just further and further disconnected from real reality. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've got two teenage boys uh, who've been homeschooled and I'm using schools and in inverted commas uh, over the last six or seven months. And yeah, that's that's all they do. They game and that's how they interact with friends. I would say in Tinder's defence, and that's a sentence I wouldn't have thought I'd ever use, is that mm-hmm. this was in the midst of COVID. So people were locked down and didn't have as much opportunity to go out and, and meet. You couldn't meet someone in a coffee shop and face-to-face. So there was a way around it. I don't know if it would work as well in 2022 if people are out and about. But, yeah, I agree. People need to get off their phones and out into the real world. But at the moment in time, I think it works. Same as the match one. I don't know if that would work as well Um, when weddings are fired up next year and people are going out as much. So a a lot of campaigns are very much at the right time, have to be launched at the right time and may not work a year later. Absolutely. And that's such a good point that, in marketing, timing is everything. Yeah, and, and we spoke to about original. I'd be interested to see if anyone else follows this model of interactive matching of, of mm. sorts. It doesn't have to be just dating, but if any other products think, well, let's try and see if how how else we can capitalise on what Tinder did. Well, it's a it's a really clever strategy because it's very expensive. And yeah. so um, by using this tactic, uh, Tinder has potentially outspent some of the competition because if you are a not as well-funded uh, matchmaking app, this would be outside your reach. Yeah. I mean, Tinder does seem to dominate the market. Um, it's almost become that word that's used for a dating app you, you, mm. as a verb. It's not quite there yet, but, you know, could you Tinder someone? Maybe. Um, <laughs> but it does definitely own that category. Sure does. The thing that I also didn't like um, oh, was... Two things. You only allowed one, I thought. Oh, yeah, sorry. But there was one other thing that was a, a bit of an eye roll moment, which is like, this is not a campaign. This is the reinvention of Tinder. And yeah. I'm like... Uh, no, this is the textbook definition of a campaign. <laughs> yeah. 
If I was literally looking for a definition of a fully integrated campaign, it would probably be this. Yeah, whenever someone says this is not a campaign, it's normally the one, the one, number one signal that it is a campaign. <laughs> totally. So just a little bit of a, um, a bit of an overstatement, but otherwise I thought it was great. Yeah, it's different. And I love how you know two companies have taken two very different approaches, but both very creative, both pieces of entertainment rather yes. than just an advertising message, which is key. Um, and the other thing is with any content, you want it to be shareable. Again, we talked about getting free publicity. So you want people to post it on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. And I think both of these campaigns achieved that. Absolutely. Well, anyone that's getting married or is engaged is going to be sharing the match.com one and saying, hey, check this out. Like, look at these wedding singers. Look at, you know, you could potentially book one of these. So I think you're absolutely right. And what's really interesting is, is that um, the match.com campaign was three minutes long. You know, yeah. um, when you and I were sort of up and coming in the industry, it was like 30 second TVC, 15 second TVC. Whereas now we're not buying TV airtime. And um, yeah, we're seeing these like mini films or, you know, entire songs and people are watching all the way to the end. Absolutely. And that's why it has to be entertainment. Um, yeah. A regular ad. No one's going to watch a regular ad, probably not even for 30 seconds, let alone three minutes. But if it's, you know, like matching with a song or if it's a game, I mean, the Tinder one was three hours. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. So good. All right. Well, let's move on because we've got one more industry to compare the pair with. So what have we got? Uh, next up is my favourite industry because I worked in there for so long, which is uh, travel and tourism. So I can actually speak with a bit more of experience, not that that stopped me before, um, <laughs> on this topic. Um, so I thought it would be interesting because a country is not, a, not normally something you'd associate as a product, but um, anyone who works in the tourism industry for a, a state or a country has to effectively market a destination and it's, uh, there's various ways of doing that. Um, and the tourism industry has probably suffered more than any other industry over the last 18 months. So I'm really interested to see how they all launch, relaunch, uh, particularly Australia, which has been closed off for 18 months. So we've got a couple of uh, campaigns to look at from different countries. Amazing. So good. Um, I also have done some work with uh, Northern Territory Tourism and I've done a lot of work with the Northern Territory government. So this is definitely an industry that I'm really interested in. And as you said, it is a huge industry and also the one that's been hit the hardest. And um, so they've had to really think on their feet, specifically, um, you know, Australia Tourism Australia has had to really shift the focus to their domestic market and we've seen that play out with their current campaign, which is holiday here this year, all um, aimed to us to go and explore our backyard before thinking about going abroad. Yeah, and they actually spent a lot of money on that. They used uh, Hamish Blake um, and his wife, Zoe Foster Blake, um, and did that big campaign earlier this year. Um which was the first one that I'd really seen that really targeted domestic tourism. I mean, there was no other options. But even that has had to come to a screaming halt um, as domestic tourism has stopped. So it'd be interesting to see what sort of return they got from that investment because they spent a lot of money and 
probably got very little in return. Yeah, and but casting um, Hamish and Zoe was just genius, right? Because um, Hamish has such big appeal with both men and women, and Zoe is a goddess to all women. <laughs> um, you know, just so clever, you know, so successful in business that they are the absolute Australian power couple. And, um, yeah, just I think influence the marketing genius in casting them. Yeah, I'm actually going to contradict you here. I used to be a massive Hamish Blake fan. I listened to his podcast way back in 2006 when I started and used to be my running companion whenever I ran. Um, I think he's become oversaturated now. I was speaking about this with my partner and she's sick to death of Hamish. When he comes up on any show, she turns it off. Really? Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm worried, wondering if he's outlived his uh, shelf life at the moment. He, I think he's just been in too many things. Zoe I love because she's not as exposed and mm. she appeals uh, obviously very strongly to the female market but, you know, from a business perspective, I love what she's done and she recently sold her company for squillions of dollars. Mm. Um but I'm just worried about the overexposure of Hamish. Um, so I have young kids, seven and four, and we watch Lego Masters yeah. together as a family. And um, he is awesome as the host of Lego Masters because he's such a goofball. Yeah. 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 I mean, All right. Each to their own, Ash. We can't agree on everything, even though we do have yeah. lots in common. There are going to be things we disagree yeah. on. I used to be his biggest fan. Like I said, I listened to every podcast for six or seven years, but I've just died right off. All right. So tell me, um, I have my favourite and um, unfortunately it's not from Australia. Ooh. It's close, <laughs> but it's not. Uh, tell me what is your favourite tourism campaign? So um, I've been a big fan of a lot of tourism and I'm very loyal. I know maybe you've <laughs> expanded global markets and you've chosen another country, but I'll stick with us Aussies. We've done it tough. Um, and the one that stood out to me the most, and they've done some great ads, tourism. It's very rare that you remember a commercial from 40 years ago, but people still remember Paul Hogan. Um, my partner's American. When I go over there, people still say, throw a shrimp on the barbie. You know, it's a line that is now 40 years old. Mm-hmm. And people still use that, which is brilliant Yeah, to have a, a creative for that. So I was going to go with that, but probably half your listeners weren't born then. So I'm going to go with something a bit a bit newer and someone a bit sexier. Um, and that was the tourism campaign that they did in 2018 where they created a fake movie. Um, so Crocodile Dundee was very, very big, uh, particularly in the United States this ad was purely aimed at the American market, which was one of the biggest markets at that time. Um, So they created a fake movie trailer um, around the son of Dundee, um, featuring Chris Hemsworth, um, Danny McBride, who's a well-known comedian actor over there. And basically they created fake trailers for 30 seconds each. Um, You got got people talking about, oh, the new movie's coming out. And then they said, we're going to release the full trailer during the Super Bowl, which is the most expensive advertising platform in the world. Um, People paid millions and millions of dollars for 30-second ads during that prime time in uh, early February in the United States. Um, They started off running the trailer and then halfway through, it clicked that it was an ad. Um, Danny McBride says to Crimson to Hensworth, hey, on." This is just an ad, isn't it? And Chris goes, yes. And they started talking about all the, the virtues of Australia. Um, so they basically trolled the whole of the United States um, and chose the biggest platform possible to release that. Um, it went bananas. They got over $86 million in free 
news, free publicity out of it, which again, something that I love. It was entertaining. Had Chris Hemsworth, um, who's obviously appealing. Um, just slightly, even, Ash, just a little yeah. bit. <laughs> um, and even extending to other things, so IMDb, which is the internet movie database where all movies are ranked, still has a page up for that son of Dundee. And funnily enough, for a film that hasn't been released, it's got an average rating of over eight. Um, so it still <laughs> lives on. So it just became this big extension. So it was just clever for so many reasons. It was different. Um, they trolled people on the biggest platform and they got a whole lot of free publicity. And like I said earlier, it was entertaining, which is what I like to see out of any ad. Absolutely. Exactly. Like there is nothing more entertaining than a movie or a film or a mini film. And so I think they absolutely nailed this. And look, I think the key thing is, is that if you're going to do a stunt, you've got to go all in. And so by actually listing this as, you know, a film on Rotten Tomatoes or IMDb and, you know, creating the trailer and making it look like a movie, you you need to double down on your ideas. Um, And I feel that today a lot of brands, especially in this cultural moment that we're living with, you know, um, wanting to be politically correct and wanting to be inclusive, that they don't... um, they're too afraid to go all in and yep. doing anything half-assed is going to be much, much, much worse. Absolutely. So, that, yeah, I mean, they made it look like an actual movie. Um, they had production values. They got, you know, Margot Robbie and Hugh Jackman and all these other big Australian names. Um, and the trailers were all generating, you know, 70 million views, which was, you know, double any other Super Bowl advertiser. And they had the heavyweights like Pepsi and Budweiser who didn't get even close to that. Um so, yeah, it did brilliantly um, because, like I said, they, like you said, they, they went in full. Um, and they got uh, social media, people were retreating, even, and I don't like this man at all, but Donald Trump Jr. tweeted afterwards saying, I can't believe we've been trolled. This is not a real movie. I'd still like to see it. Um, <laughs> you know, Judd Apatow, the famous director, came out and said, if they really want to make an, a movie about this, I'll, I'll do it. Oh, so good. Um, so they're getting a lot of clout from that. Um, they end, the, the cost of the campaign was $36 million, um, and they generated over $86 million in the first few weeks of uh, publicity. Well, if there's something that I know about tourism campaigns is that Australians are actually happy for us to spend that kind of money as long as the ads are good. Absolutely. <laughs> and if they're not good... <laughs> Uh, Tourism Australia will hear about it from social media going, what the hell is this? Why did we pay good money for this? Um, But this particular example, the fake movie, what's it called? What's the campaign called? Son of of Dundee. Son of Dundee um, is very good. And it's also um, a throwback to the Paul Hogan throw another shrimp on the the Barbie. So um, it speaks to the continuity of campaigns um, because I obviously I teach marketing campaigns to small business owners and they are not a small undertaking. You know, it, it takes three to four months um, minimum to pull together a campaign and a lot of people are, are left sort of scratching their heads whether it's worth it. Uh, I absolutely know it is. Um, you don't get the same um, uplift. You don't get the same result from, you know, that always-on approach to your marketing. But also that coming up with a really clever and creating camp- creative campaign idea 
means that it could potentially have longevity. Like you could reuse it and build on it and iterate on it um, in future campaigns, um, just Absolutely. like um, Tourism Australia have done. And, and I'm glad you mentioned that because that's actually what they did. And that's crucial is the follow-up. It's all great to have a great ad and everyone says, that's fantastic. Um, the proof in the pudding is obviously the results which came through. But um, six or seven months later, they did a follow-up campaign which was visit the set of Son of Dundee mm. where they actually pushed again their product, come and visit Australia, come and see this is where the scenes were made, take a behind-the-look behind the scenes look at where the film was made. Come and meet Chris, come and meet whatever. So they did a big follow-up campaign to actually bring people out. You saw the first ad, now come and visit the set. Love it. Very, very clever to get another bite at the cherry yeah. from that. Um, and there's a whole lot of statistics. But, yeah, the, the website visits and book, flight to book to Australia really shot up. So they, they did get the return, not just the accolades from people like us. That's a really important point, right? Because sometimes we see a campaign and we're like, oh, that's so clever. That's so creative. And it goes on to win Can Lion Awards, but doesn't actually hit the business objectives. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and so the marketing people all sit around and toast with their champagne, but the uh, CEO or the uh, stakeholders aren't as excited. I've been, <laughs> I've been in that, that situation before. Oh, me too. So many times. <laughs> All right. Well, my pick um, is, sorry, Aussies, but I don't think anyone does tourism marketing as well as New Zealand. Um, even the 100% pure tagline is mm. genius. Like it is marketing genius because that is exactly the image that we have of New Zealand is the yeah. purity, the water, the rivers, the lakes, the glaciers, all of it is just, it is so spot on. But my favourite campaign, tourism marketing campaign, is a fairly new one actually and it is called Under the Social Influence. And it is an example of an anti-marketing campaign. Now, I love anti-marketing <laughs> campaigns. Um, I actually recently made my own and um, they can be super, super successful because of the controversy. And mm -hmm. marketing needs to be memorable. Advertising works with memory structures. And so the more controversial you can be within reason, the more likely that you are that people are going to remember you. So traveling under the social influence is a really clever campaign. And essentially, um, we'll, we'll play the, um, the video for you and it will be available in the show notes. But essentially, the insight that drove this campaign was that um, people are going on holidays and they are capturing the same images and they're yeah. having the same experiences. They're having the Lonely Planet guide to a country. And um, what um, Tourism New Zealand came up with with this campaign was this idea that um, do do differently, do the country differently, do something different, you know, um, don't just go and take the same um, Instagram images that everyone else has shared and reposted millions of times. Um, 
if there is ever a country that allows you to have a really um, bespoke experience, it is New Zealand. Um, And they brought this to life in an incredibly humorous way with this park ranger um, who is chasing after travellers, trying to stop them from um, capturing the same, same selfie. Um, And he gets really um, upset when um, he finds out that someone has taken, um, I guess, a stock standard image in a lavender farm and he hasn't been able to catch up with them and he feels like, you know, um, he wasn't able to do his job that day. Um, And, yeah, the real message there was I've seen this all before and, um, you know, do something differently. Now, this could seem like Tourism New Zealand are polarizing the audience but in fact it's the opposite they have understood their target audience so well that they understand that the people who choose to visit New Zealand are of that mindset already that they come to New Zealand to have that unique experience and so that's what's really clever about anti-marketing campaigns because they're basically saying we are not for them we are for you yeah, I love it. And I think people are very much over the Instagram, the whole influencer type thing. So I think it's a very clever strategy. Um, and being in travel, I think that people actually miss the experience because they're so focused on trying to take that perfect Instagram picture, they're just missing out on what's around them, um, which I think is part of the message that they're getting across. Um, I remember the last time I traveled, I was in Japan and there's a queue, you know, a few hundred people in front of uh, a particular spot and they're all doing the exact same shot. Um, and they were waiting hours just to get that perfect Instagram photo, whereas I went off 50 metres to the right and got something better. Um, so, yeah, it's very clever that they're, they're targeting the people who are very anti-influencer, which is a growing market. Absolutely. I had a similar experience. There is an island in Greece off the coast of Crete that um, you can only access by boat and there is nothing on the island. There are no buildings, no shops, nothing. It is literally this pristine island and um, it takes some doing to get there. And last time we went to Greece, I took the whole family. I'm I'm Greek background and I really wanted to show my kids my homeland. Um, Yeah, we booked this Um, boat to take us to one island to then take us onto this um, pristine island where there is nothing and we only had three hours there like you know we will probably never go back there again and you know you get three hours and that's it and there were these young people with the selfie sticks and they spent almost their entire time on this island trying to capture that perfect Instagram image rather than just being in the moment and thinking, I'm just going to soak up this experience for what it is. So I think that this is a great example of an insight-driven campaign. Absolutely. Um, The other thing I like about this campaign is actually asking its audience to take action so Mm. they can post their own Instagram photos which fit in with what they wanted. So, again, it's one thing to have a really – creative campaign but it's another to get your audience engaged and taking action which is what I think they did um, there's a competition around it so I like again taking the next step too many campaigns fall short 
So good. All right. Well, what can small business owners and startup founders take out from all the campaigns that we've looked at today? So first, entertaining. Um, Make sure that, you know, um, your ad captures their interest and attention and sustains it and really think about how you could bring the entertainment value. Two, um, make sure that your campaign sparks them to take action what do you want them to do after having watched your ad you know is it to log on and use your platform is it to post or share or to sign up like be really clear like don't ask don't get absolutely what else ash um I think what each of these campaigns did is they understood their audience. So mm. you've got to have the insight. So know what your target customer is and what they want um, and tap into that. Um, and the other thing is bring some sort of emotion into a campaign, um, something that will trigger. People will buy or take action based on emotion. So whether it's loneliness, so matches capitalising on that, um, or whatever it is, emotion. But insights, all these campaigns really captured I think we talk, we spoke about it, what their audience, they understood their audience. Um, don't create a campaign that you like based on what you want, create it on what your audience wants. Absolutely spot on. So, so good. Thank you so, so much, Ash. Any other final thoughts, comments? Um, I think you should get your audience to vote Australia versus New Zealand and see who wins. <laughs> good idea. All right, let's see. I, I, do, I don't think it's hard. It's going to be easy to beat that under the yeah. social influence campaign. Sorry. Actually, one thing I forgot to say, the other thing that New Zealand does well, they tie into their national airline and New Zealand um, and their safety videos. Maybe that's a discussion for another podcast, but they tie it in. They've done Lord of the Rings campaigns. They've done a whole lot of things. So they, they extend through other national components so they use their airline which obviously features very big into the tourism campaign yes very clever yes we should totally do an episode about the airline videos because i also really like Qantas's ones um where they're um you know telling you to fasten your seatbelt, but they're in these incredibly yeah. iconic locations across australia but definitely a discussion for another time it's actually become a whole new piece of advertising collateral the air safety videos has Correct. gone from a boring watching the air steward tell you what to do to here's an opportunity to market ourselves and it makes you feel good before you start flying which means that it enhances the customer experience and you start the flight relaxed and you know excited about your destination rather than oh gosh I just want to get this flight over and done with so I can get to where I'm going it's very clever but the other thing they've understood their audience is that no one watches those videos ever (laughs) correct here's a way to get them to make it entertaining and people will watch them exactly perfect um note to end on thank you so much for your time ash we will definitely be having you back and um yeah really appreciate you sharing your wisdom bombs with us thanks for being letting me be part of it it's been fantastic thank you you listened right up until the end so why not press that subscribe button and keep the good marketing rolling You can also connect with me, Mia Feilman, on Instagram or LinkedIn, and feel free to send me a message. I'm super friendly.